Amen. God bless you. We're so glad you're here. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. And I just want to ask you, do you feel like you just got dropped off here and abandoned? I'm just talking about life. I'm just talking about where you are. Um, I think there's something very significant to somebody coming and dropping off this cat. And out of just an absolute horrifying situation that the cat was in, the cat's life's going to change starting today. It's never going to look the same. And uh, that's what family does. And the whole purpose of the church is family. It's a body. We are a body of believers together that notices when a finger's missing or notices when a piece is missing and literally feels it. So I want to just encourage you that this is a safe place, and this is a place called home. And uh, this has been our home uh, ever since Rita Marie was born. Um, She's about to get married just in a few days. Uh, She's 21. Is that right? 21. Where are you? 21. Thank you. Um, Been here. This has been, this is my family. And, uh, you know, God will not leave you nor forsake you. And one of the ways that he is with you is through his body. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you feel dropped off, I want you to know that the Lord is here and there's family here. Um, and that cat would not stop. He wanted in the door. I had to keep shooing him. Literally, I never even thought of that word, shooing, but I was taking my shoe and shooing him away. But at the same time, I was calling all over. Somebody needs this cat. And uh, just something very significant. Um, the cat had gotten out of the box, and there was an empty box outside my office, which made me nervous. Um, it was just kind of closed. I don't know how the cat got out with the box opening, but the box was closed, and the cat was out. And I had to have somebody go over with me to look in the box. I didn't know what might be in that box, and we're just, oh, the cat showed up in this box. Um, But I just want to encourage you, the scripture today, um, I believe if you will allow it, will change your life. Let's just dive right in. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Last week we talked about how that word depend and how these two commandments, the whole law depends, the whole word of God depends on these two commandments. And if you remember, the first one is to love the Lord your God. And then it says that the second one is like it. Let's back up. It says the first one is the uh, greatest and foremost. What did it say? It said, this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second one is like it, you shall love your neighbor. Last week, we really focused on the way that these two are weighted in the word. Today, we're going to focus on love your neighbor as yourself because it's such a radical command. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. And what I mean by radical is this, is it cuts to the root of our sinfulness and it exposes it by God's grace and it severs it. The root of our sinfulness is the desire, now, now follow, go with me here, because this is going to kind of, I think it's going to try to disrupt your behavior. God's trying to disrupt our behavior. He's saying we're not behaving right, and this is what's going to correct it. So as we, I'll just get, a re, get ready for disruption. Um, from the moment I showed up here this morning, it's been disruptive. From the moment I walked in, there's a cat, and I don't know what to do with it. And I got some first-time guests with me and, and my sound guy, and, and I don't want to be the guy that abandons a cat, but I also don't want another cat. So from the moment I got here, I got disrupted. So I want you to consider disruption this morning of, of maybe your thoughts or maybe your, your roots, because here, let me say it again. Let me say it for the first time. The root of our sinfulness is our desire for our own happiness apart from God and apart from the happiness of others in God. Can I say that again? The root of our sinfulness is the desire for our own happiness apart from God and apart from the happiness of others in God. All sin comes from the desire of being happy, cut off from the glory of God and cut off from the good of others. And what this scripture here, what these two commands does, is it identifies it. It identifies it in our heart. It exposes it. And it severs it. It cuts that root. Another name for this root of sinfulness is pride. Pride is the presumption that we can be happy without depending on God as the source of our happiness. And without caring if others ever find their happiness in God. Pride is the passion to be happy, contaminated and corrupted by two things. The willingness to see God. The willingness to see God as the only fountain of true and lasting joy. And the willingness to see other people as designed by God to receive our joy in him. Let me rephrase that. Pride is the passion to be happy, contaminated and corrupted by the unwillingness to see God as the only fountain of our true and lasting joy and the unwillingness to see other people designed by God to receive our joy in him. I know this is heavy and this is deep and this is a lot. But if you take the desire to be happy and strip it away, Strip away from it. God is the fountain of your happiness. And people as the recipients of your happiness, what you have left is pride. My pride. And when pride starts to creep in, falling is right on the other side. When we no longer see God as the fountain or the source of our happiness. Pride is the pursuit of happiness anywhere but in the glory of God. So Jesus says here, love your neighbor as yourself. And with that commandment, 
he cuts directly to the root of our sinfulness. How so? Jesus says, in effect, I start with your inborn, deep, and defining human trait, which is what? Your love for yourself. And I want you to know that in and of itself, your love for yourself is not wrong. It's in everyone. It's a given. God doesn't just command it. He assumes it. All of you have this powerful instinct for self-preservation and self-fulfillment. You all want to be happy. I can tell you, I want to be happy. That's not wrong. That's not bad. We all want to be happy. We all want to live a life that is satisfying. You all want food for yourself. I think, Stephanie, you said something about it's not bad to want food. It's not bad to want things. It's not bad to want our needs to be provided. You want clothes for yourself. You want a place to live for yourself. You want protection from violence um, against yourself. You know what? I'm just going to say this. This may, this may be, uh, I hope I don't hurt feelings with this, um, but I can't help it. Um, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Bell, Dr. Bob and Gloria Bell's house burned to the ground um, just a few nights ago. It was the 6th Street fire. Completely demolished. Beautiful brick home. Um, and, and we walked by it. And, you know, Elizabeth just made the statement is you can, go to, you can go to bed one night and wake up and your life be devastated. Uh, Dr. Bell was our president at Tennessee Tech. He was over the business department when I was at Tennessee Tech. Um, their daughter has had a similar situation where her house burnt all the way to the ground. I don't know the significance there, but I just ask you all to be praying for that family, for our community. It's, he's, he's really a, a piece of our community, Dr. Bell is. Um, but I say that to say we all want to be safe individually, as well as I want that for my family. I want to be provided for. I want to be happy. I want my life to be fulfilling. I want meaningful or pleasant activity to fill my days. I want friends to spend time with. I want my life to count in some way. All of this is self-love. Self-love is this deep longing to diminish pain and to increase happiness. And that's what Jesus starts with when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Your love for yourself isn't wrong as long as you don't leave out your neighbor. It's an incredible deep statement that I don't think that we've ever gotten. There's nothing wrong with you loving yourself. It becomes wrong when you don't love yourself and love your neighbor as you love yourself. What, is, what are we saying here? Everyone without exception has this human trait. It moves us to do this or to do that, to be happy. So Jesus says, start with this self-love. Jesus says, this is what I know about you. This is common to everyone. You don't have to learn it. It comes with humanity. My Father, Jesus says, my Father in heaven created it. In and of itself, it's good. To hunger for food is not evil. To want to be warm in the winter is not evil. To want to be safe in a crisis is not evil. To want to be healthy during a plague is not evil. 
To want to be liked by others is not evil. To want your life to count in some significant way is not evil. Everyone has it. And in and of itself, it's not evil. But whether or not it's become evil in your life, it will be exposed when we lay it beside these two commandments. Jesus is exposing your heart because in essence, that's all he cares about is your heart. Get your heart right. He's saying here, if you'll just get your heart right, the rest of the law will be fulfilled. It's when your heart's not right that sin enters in. So he starts with self-love. So what are we saying here? Love your neighbor as yourself. As you love yourself, so love your neighbor. Which means, as you long for food when you're hungry, so long to feed your neighbor when he's hungry. Anybody here ever been hungry? I think that we kind of have our own version of what hungry is like, but I can tell you that when I'm hungry, I think I'm hungry like the, the person in the desert that had not ate for 40 days. It's not that kind of hunger. But I still, it dominates my thoughts. And I won't stop until I find what I'm looking for in the pantry. And I'll disrupt everyone if I'm hungry. Right? Anybody get so hungry that you disrupt everyone? Yeah. It's called hangry. I get hangry. But as I pursue food for myself, so should I pursue food for those that are hungry. So should I pursue food for those that are my neighbor that may be hungry. As silly as it seems, it was important that we find this cat a home. It just is to me. I'm not a cat lover. Well, I kind of am a cat lover. I didn't used to be, but now we kind of are. I kind of have to say I am because we have one. Yeah. But we don't leave someone hungry at the door. It goes farther than that. I hunt for them food the way I would hunt for me food. That's a different approach. When someone's lonely, I hunt for them connection like I would hunt for me connection. If I'm cold, then I hunt for some, my neighbor's warmth like I would hunt for my warmth. Let me give you a phrase. In other words, make your self-seeking the measure of your self-giving. Make your self-seeking the measure of your self-giving. This word, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're energetic in pursuing your own happiness, be energetic in pursuing the happiness of your neighbor. If you're creative in pursuing your own happiness, be creative in pursuing the happiness of your neighbor. With the same zeal and creativity, the same life and death commitment when you're in danger, make your own self-seeking the measure of of your self-giving. That seems crazy. It seems undoable. But when you fulfill the first commandment 
and truly begin to love God with all your mind, your soul, and your strength, you are able to look at the other person the same as you would look at yourself. Why? Because you're seeing not through your eyes, but you're seeing through God's eyes. Make yourself seeking the measure. How are you seeking for others will help you know where you are with God. Jesus isn't just saying seek for your neighbor the same things you seek for yourself, but seek for them the same way you seek. The same zeal and energy. Now this is so threatening and it's almost overwhelming. Again, the way that it, it the way that the threat goes away is when we allow the spirit of God to be our 100% focus. When we love the Lord our God with all our strength, with all our mind, with all our soul, the threat goes away. But we cannot love our neighbor as ourself until we achieve the first command. Why? Because if you leave out the first command or you're not quite there yet, your self-drive will overtake your Get your, your self-giving. Your self-taking will overtake your self-giving. And I think that that threat that you're feeling, that pressure that you're feeling is exactly what Jesus is trying to get you to feel. To draw you even closer to him. Because if you remember, the first commandment is the basis of the second and if you remember from last week, the second commandment is a visible expression of the first commandment. Our love for our neighbor is a visible expression of our love for God. Love God with all your heart means find in God a satisfaction so profound that it fills up all your heart. Love God with all your soul means find in God a meaning so rich and deep that it fills up the aching corners of your soul. Love God with all your mind means find in God the riches and knowledge and insight and wisdom that guide and satisfy all the human mind that we can take. In other words, take all your self-love, all your longing for joy and for hope and love and security and fulfillment and significance. Take all that and focus it on God until he satisfies your heart and your soul and your mind. What you'll find is that it doesn't cancel out self-love. It's a fulfillment and a transformation of self-love. God says, come to me and I will give you the fullness of joy. I will satisfy your heart and your soul and your mind with my glory, is what God says. This is the first and greatest commandment. Get filled up in me, and you will be completely satisfied. And out of the overflowing, the visible expression of me completely satisfying your heart and your mind and your soul will be your ability to love your neighbor. Jesus is commanding us in the second commandment that we love our neighbor as ourself. Transforming our own heart 
and allowing it to overflow and extend itself to our neighbor. And that means to take account of, of your, your love for yourself. Am I doing for others as much as I would do for myself? As Brandon said this morning, that whole um, golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That the drive that I have for myself, that I have for others. The drive that I have for the things that I desire, that I have that same drive that I try just as hard for others. This whole series, this just two or three week series is, is focused on outreach. But outreach doesn't work if we don't get our hearts changed. It becomes a religious activity. It just becomes a... A thing. The way I want to refer to it is if we leave God out of the thing, it's dead works. Even though we've got a good idea and we're trying to do good things, if we leave God out of it, it becomes dead. And that whole foundation in Hebrews chapter 6, the first foundation is repentance of dead works. Well, in order to get my works alive, my heart has to change. And when I allow the first, the most important commandment to love the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, when that changes, then that affects my love for my neighbor. That affects the works of my hands. That affects the things that I do. That affects the thoughts that I have. But if we leave out that first one, our works become dead. Feeding the hungry is a good thing, but it's dead works without God. We must allow our hearts to change. So if you feel like you're coming up a little bit short in how you love, for your, you love your neighbor, then God's speaking to you. We all do. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. I don't believe I'm ever going to be able to fulfill the first and second commandment fully until maybe when I get to heaven. Because I know me. But God's just asking us to start moving to start moving toward him and then to work as hard for those that are hurting as we work for ourselves. We have been given an incredible open door um, through what Brandon and Lindsay and Harold and Linda and uh, Whitney and Mark Upton um, have, have found with us being able to go into 80 families and feed them. But I want to check my own heart and say, am I giving what, what I would give to myself if I were hungry? I don't, I'm not talking about money. I'm not trying to take up money. I'm just trying to look at my heart. When I look at Pastor Justin and him working with us here at Church on the Hill and Michelle, am I working as hard to, to um, make him successful in this with us working together as I work for myself? When I'm praying for you to be healed, and I, am I praying with everything I've got in me like I would pray for my wife or my child? Can anybody see the, the connection I'm trying to make? And, and all the connections I've just made have been within the church. Get outside the church. Am I trying outside with my friends and my neighbors 
to help them as much as I would try to help myself. We go out of here and the Lord says, just worry about two things, loving me and loving your neighbor. That leaves a lot of things as third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and not as prioritized as loving God and loving my neighbor. So when a visitor comes in here and may not look exactly right or may not act exactly right, you know what, does that really matter? No, it really doesn't. When Jesus met the woman at the well, did she dress right? No. Was her background right? No. Was anything right? No. It was all wrong. But Jesus did not reject her. He saved her. The world would have stoned her over what she was wearing, over what she was doing. But Jesus saved her and had so much impact on that woman at the well in that little five-minute moment that that woman went back and saved her city. But while others were trying to get him to do other things, he focused on that neighbor. Now, he did not go run her down. He was just getting water. It was just in the circle that he had. And changed a city. You have the ability to change a city. You have the ability to change families. You have the Spirit of God in you. We must back up and say, is the love of God in my heart at the level to where I can love my neighbor? And when we see that we're falling short, okay, then start working on it. You know what God will do? God will move. We've learned through all these foundations and through the things before that, that if we will just get on board with God, God will do the supernatural now. Not waiting for us to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But in that process of being made perfect in Christ, He'll do the things that we're falling short on. Where we're struggling to love our neighbor, when we start really trying hard to love God, God will make that connection for us. Will we still fall down? Yes, but like Elizabeth said in Sunday school this morning, Joe McGee says, we're not the falling down people, we're the getting up people. God forgives us. God restores us. He knows we're going to fall down. The problem is we just stay down. No, get up. Get up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's the first and foremost, but the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. With the same measure that you use for yourself, use for others. He's not saying for you to do more for others more than you would do for yourself. He's saying do for others like you would do for yourself. With the same heart, with the same passion, with the same intensity. Isn't that good? Amen. Y'all stand up with me. Let me pray for you. Just want to ask you this week to be praying for the the young people that are coming in here for VBS and that uh, kids would come in, kids would get saved, kids would get ministered to, um, that our church body would just come together in unity as we work together this week. It's a hard week when you go five nights every five nights uh, for about five hours a night. Um, We really get to know each other well. Um, I want to encourage you to be praying, praying for this body. 
we're still believing for chairs. We've got about half of what we need to be able to replace the pews down here on this level. We've got over 100 in. They're awesome. Come to Sunday school, you'll get to sit in them. <laughs> Uh, but we're just so thankful um, that God is here and that God is in you and that you've joined this family. Um, I want to encourage you to make it your family. It's one thing to come in here and sit for service. It's another thing for it to be family. And family is good. Family is good. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray over this church body. I just pray that you would continue to just make us a family. Your word says that you put the lonely in families. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're here, that you're with us, that, Lord, that we, that we know you. But, Lord, I ask that we would continue to draw nearer to you, that we would not just go through our life, but we would grow nearer to you in your word, in your spirit, in your body. And that, Lord, you would change our hearts to where, we, to where that overflow of our love for you would be seen in our love for each other. That you would change my thinking, you would transform my mind and how I love my neighbor. I just ask you, Lord, just for mercy and grace. Just ask you to bless our church. Bless this week. Father, give us breakthrough. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, call on him. It says in the word of God that if you will just call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You come in here hurting and you come in here down. And God wants to restore you. God wants to love you. He wants to love you through his spirit. He wants to love you through his people. He wants to provide a place for you to connect and to belong and for people to notice that you're hurting and to care. God wants to care for you. It says, cast your burdens on Jesus because he cares for you. Thank you, Lord. If you don't know Jesus right now, Jesus, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Spirit of God, come into my heart. Save me and forgive me of my sin. I turn my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, give us a great week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.